Thank you, Jude. Uh, thank you for the warm welcome. And morning, everyone. Hi. Uh, I hope you're well. Uh, let's pray first. Father, we know that we are not here because of our own, in our own making, or by our own design. Uh, thank you for making it possible for us to be here, even for the desire to come, um, and for the means, for the energy, for the strength. Thank you, thank you, thank you for today, day that you've made, that we may rejoice and be glad in it. I pray that, Lord, for each of us, um, in whatever state we are, in our minds and hearts, I pray that at the end of our service today, we will live with a desire to grow closer in fellowship and relationship with you. May you challenge us, may you encourage us, may you guide us, may you remind us of what is true and lift us up uh, to be all that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, my name is Simon, as has been uh, mentioned. Honored to be here once again. I am not very new in this service. Yeah, so it's, it's always, I don't take it for granted. Today, I don't know what I was thinking. Sometime back, uh, I began to think that the next time I am invited to preach, I should preach as though it is the last time I should I will be preaching. Uh, so I hope I preach that way. Um, if you've been attending teen service, uh, you will know that we have been studying the book of sorry Ephesians. Wonderful. Um, yeah, we've been studying the book of Ephesians right from chapter 1, and today we enter chapter 6. Uh, how many chapters does Ephesians have? Six chapters. Ah, guys are alert today. That's good. There are six chapters. So we are into the last chapter um, of, of this book. Anyone remember what, for the sake of those who are not here last Sunday, what was spoken about last Sunday? Obviously, if we are looking at chapter 6 now, it means last Sunday was chapter 5. Not so. A couple of verses in chapter 5. Anyone recall? Anyone recall? Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, we can clap for Patrick, man. Thank you, sir. Uh, you are right on the money, as they say. Yeah, that's what we were looking at. The theme was the two will become one, isn't it? God's mathematics when it comes to relationship in the family setting, that he brings a man and a woman 
there are two individuals um, and he makes them one. They don't come as half-half. Not so. It's very interesting. It's not one half that they come. Sometimes you hear these things, we complete each other. No. <laughs> you should already be complete. Um, yeah. So you come as two complete individuals. You don't come as three quarters and then the other one is a quarter or as two thirds and then the other one is a third. No. It's one whole. And, and the whole point is it is Christ who completes us, isn't it? Yeah. So you come together in Christ as an individual. Um, if you're a lady, the man comes also complete, hopefully in Christ. And when you're united, you become one. And Paul says there that it's a mystery, isn't it? It's a mystery because marriage, the marriage that we see today happening every other Saturday uh, is a mirror of Christ and Christ and who? Christ and the church. You guys are right. Christ and the church. Do you realize that the Bible uh, when teaching about the body of Christ says that the church or believers are members of Christ's body. Have you read that somewhere in your Bible? That Christ is the head. Not so. Nobody read that. Has anyone ever read that? That Christ is the head of this body. And we are joined to him as believers. Uh, as part of his body. So marriage today. I know there are people here. Okay, maybe they didn't come. People who aspire to get married. Anyone here? One day. One day in the future. Yes. Wonderful. It's a very, very wonderful and godly thing um, to get married. And what the Bible teaches, you forget what the Kardashians do, eh? Where it's like, it's a, a, a contract, a deal. Not so. Uh, where, ah, today they are together, tomorrow, ah, man, they don't feel like it, so they go and, and, and divorce man. With God, that's not it, isn't it? With God, the Bible teaches us that it's a covenant. Not so. A covenant is not like a contract. Right? You will never hear of a marriage where they swear, okay, not swear, but they take their vows and they say, uh, in sickness and in health, till two years to come. Then from there we'll be free. Not so. It's still death, isn't it? It's still death do us, but a contract is different because... With a contract, uh, once the terms are met by either party, the contract ends. Not so. Contracts end, but a covenant doesn't. And marriage is a covenant. And that's what Paul was teaching here to the believers in Ephesus. Yeah? That the husbands there should love their wives as Christ loved the church. So everything, many of the things in the Christian faith, are always mirrored by what Christ has done or who Christ is. Not so. He's the example. And we're actually going to see that in today's teaching or lesson. As has been read very well by Jed, uh, we have nine verses only. Um, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, and God's word says to us, Children, obey your 
parents in the Lord, for this is right. Not so. For this is right. It's actually a very clear passage, I must say. Um, it's not really hard to understand like some other passages are in the Bible. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Thank you very much, Paul, for this word. So what if tomorrow um, or next week, uh, imagine with me, um, okay, results just came back, but I want us to think about um, you're in third term, yeah? Okay, I know there are some people here who do Cambridge. Or you're in, the exams are coming, let's just say. I'm not familiar with the terms or the semesters or what you guys call them. You know, but exams are coming and you've not been doing well, right? You've not been doing well, papers have been coming, there are some E's and O's and F's. Um, and so mom and dad are worried, right? They are saying, how is this daughter of ours, how is this son of ours going to make it? Not so. So what do they do? I mean, they love you, right? They've seen you through school. And they want you to pass, right? So their intentions and motives are for your good, that you may pass, do the course you want, it is see. So they go and do their research. And before, today is a Sunday, usually papers start on Monday. Um, today evening, or that Sunday evening, like at, what, 6 p.m., they come to you, you're there studying, trying to do your final touches. Uh, and they come with a file, and they say, please have this file. These are the, the papers going to come. Yeah? Uh, we have um, gotten these from the examiner. Not so. So please study these. Not so. That you may do what? That you may pass. Right? Because we want the best for you. We want you to succeed. We want you to prosper. What would you do? I will read again what Paul says here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Mm -hmm. Anyone want to share? What would you do? Or what, what do you think? How would you advise someone in that situation. Oh, I give another example. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. So we take the file. Okay. In the Lord. It's, it's the Lord to guide you, like, how can I say? In a way that you're supposed to do what is right according to what is okay with God. Okay. Okay, okay. Did we get, did we understand, did we hear what Joel said? Wonderful. Thank you, sir. So we obey our parents in the Lord. So let me give another example. You are sick. Very unwell. Been to hospital, maybe been there, what, three weeks? Um, 
and there is not much improvement. Not so. Mom and dad, our dear, dear parents, come with a suggestion. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, eh? but bear with me. Bear with me. Yeah, they come with a suggestion. They say, yes, we have prayed. Not so. We are now in hospital. But there's an auntie of yours who told us about a man in the village. Yeah? A man in the village who can heal. Right? So we need to go there. Don't fear. Eh? He may look weird. He may look strange. He may say strange things. Um, he may ask you strange questions. He may speak a strange language. But don't fear. Yeah? He's going to give you medicine um, that will make you well. What would you do? It's, it's really the same idea I am alluding to or pointing at. Yeah? And what Joel has said, if you heard him, he emphasized the words in the in the Lord. Not so. In the Lord. Your allegiance, our allegiance is first to the Lord. Not so. Is first to the Lord. He's our Lord. He's our master. We belong to him. And that is going to be emphasized even later in this chapter. Yeah, so we obey our parents because they are a God given authority in our lives. Right? They are God-given authority in our lives. Let's see what else Paul says. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul picks this from Deuteronomy 5.16. I don't think at that time that book was called Deuteronomy, but that was the law, isn't it? Because they had the law. And so there's even a commandment there. He wants to emphasize the issue of obedience. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So what do we see here? There's a blessing in honoring our parents. Not so. God commanded the people of Israel, yeah, when they had left Egypt, if you've read the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, yeah, honor them, honor your father and mother. Yeah, they are God-given authority. And that commandment has a promise that it may go well with you. And it says there that you may enjoy long life on the earth. We struggle today to do this as young people. Not so. We desire for independence, right? We want to be free to do what we want. Not so. Because we can think for ourselves. We even know more than our parents, isn't it? Your parents don't know even half of what their smartphone can do. Not so. They're always calling you, come and help me. My WhatsApp has died. And yet, it hasn't died. It's just not updated. Not so. Your parents don't know how to upload a status, isn't it? Your parents are amazed at things like 
gifts. They're like, how do you do this thing? You know, that is me. You have, how did you put me there? In the sticker, how did you? You're like, man, <laughs> Lord, what shall we do? And so you struggle to honor them. We struggle to honor them because we think that we know more than they do. Isn't it? And of course, um, definitely, perhaps you do. There are certain things you know more than them. But remember, what should your motivation be for honoring your parents? It's because God has said so. Firstly, isn't it? Firstly, this is what God would want you to do. Let me give another example. C4C, fellowship, TFC, you want to come. Let's say even Sunday. Yeah, you want to come to church. You want to come and pray, praise and worship God with other believers. But that day, mommy or daddy says no. Not so. Mommy and daddy says what? You're not going anywhere. You stay home and do what? Either revise, or you stay home and do these chores, or you stay home and help me, or you stay home. I, I don't want you to go to church. What do you do in that situation? What does honoring your father and mother look like in that situation? You know, some of us here even know more of the Bible than our parents, isn't it? We used to use the word deeper those days. I don't know which word is used these days. Yeah? You are, let's say you, your, your faith is stronger than that of your parents. What do you do? You assure them. Say, you guys, by the way, <laughs> you don't know who you're joking with. Yeah? You're touching the anointed of the Lord, isn't it? What do you do? Honor your father. It's a humbling thing, isn't it? But that is the nature of who God is. He's a God who institutes authority. He's a God who institutes authority. Today we won't talk about government, but also the Bible does talk about submitting to the authorities in power or the authorities in leadership at the hand uh, at the time because they are instituted by God. So what do you do? You honor them. You honor them. What does honoring mean? To respect, isn't it? Not so. Which other word can we use for honor? Apart from respect. Anyone? Anyone? Obey. I had someone saying obey. Not so. To hold in high esteem, isn't it? Not to look down upon, not to despise. Yeah? Not to be ashamed of. You know, sometimes... We can be ashamed of our parents. Eh? Not so. No, eh? We can never be ashamed. Okay. But I remember in high school, there were some guys who, 
You know, because of status things, eh? they look at the car. What car do they come for? <laughs> ah, high school is just... So people wait, you know, the last day of going home. <laughs> and all they are looking at is the car that, either the car that they, they come for to visit you in. Eh? So some people are made to feel low. Eh? Because for them, even their parents don't come driving. Isn't it? They came by taxi or they came by public means. They came, you know, carrying the grab. It's not even that much. And so, there, sometimes there was that pressure put on people whose parents, you know, would come to school like that or would come to pick them like that. Yeah? And so they are made to feel low. Yeah? That should not be the case. Not so. You honor them. Yeah? You honor them. You honor them. You hold them in high regard. You hold them in high esteem. Isn't it? Anyway, so, and there's a promise there, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I would like us to notice something. We've been, to just zoom out a bit, think with me. This is a letter, you guys who've been attending uh, from when we began to go through the book of Ephesians. The way these letters were, it's a letter really, yeah? So written by Paul to believers in a church somewhere. And so, when the letter would arrive, they would all gather. Not so. All the people would come, and this letter would be read out. So there was no children's church. Eh? That now, this part about husbands loving their wives may stumble children. So let's put the children aside <laughs> so that they don't hear big people things. No. Right? So the same things the children would hear are the same things the husbands would hear, are the same things the wives would hear, are the same things the slaves and masters would do what? Would hear. That was the beauty of the early church. So this Ephesians 6 is being read to everyone. Children, parents are hearing what Paul is, is, is saying to the children. Children have heard what Paul is saying to their daddies and Mummies, not so. The beauty of the early church. So we are going to read something very, very interesting. Okay, yeah, in verse 4, but then also in verse 5 to 9. Yeah, so 1 to 4, verse 1 to 4, speak mainly about family life. Children, parents, and fathers. Then verse 5 to 9, speak mainly about masters and slaves and we are going to get there so fathers do not exasperate very big word in the niv do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord not so let me look for what the nlt i think the nlt says do not provoke your children to what to anger but bring them up. If ever you dream or desire to be a father, this is one of the most important roles that you will have in your life. And you better start preparing for it now, isn't it? It says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. 
rather bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So Paul is saying there that primarily the issue of discipleship, the issue of teaching children the ways of the Lord is not a role of the Godfather. You know that thing even came, I'm not sure when it came, so let me not talk much about it. You know, the, the whole issue of when you're baptized, then you have special other godparents whose role is to nurture you in the faith. It makes sense, not so. You know, but here fathers, their role is to raise the children, to discipline them and to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. So that role was not for the youth pastor at the time. It was for the fathers, not so. This was supposed to be happening at home or is supposed to be happening at home. Yeah? So if you ever dream or desire to be a father one day, this is one of the primary, primary core roles that you will have. So, uh, verse 5 to 9. I will read again. I'll read it through, then we'll try and go uh, section by section. Verse 5 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Remember what we said? They would all gather, isn't it? So the slaves are there, the masters are there, the children are there, the parents are there. They are all listening to a letter from Paul. Not so. And this is what Paul is saying. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. You guys hear that? Let me read it again. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. You guys, doesn't that sound like Paul was advocating for slavery? Not so. Doesn't that sound like the Christian faith was promoting slave trade? I mean, it's saying the guy's slaves, don't even fight. <laughs> like, don't fight it. Obey, isn't it? Obey your, actually, obey them as you would obey Christ. Serve wholeheartedly, serve from the heart. Let me read what the NLT says. NLT says, verse 6, try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Does that sound like 
slavery or slave trade or whatever is being promoted here. What do you guys think? Anyone with a thought in that regard? You know, it's interesting. If, if, if you have heard about or read about um, the, the slave trade that used to happen in West Africa where they would take slaves to America, not so. There were Christian slave owners who would use passages like this. Yeah, and there are others also in Colossians. They would use these passages to mistreat, eh? to mistreat their what? Their slaves. Because they would open the Bible and say, this is the word of God. Obey, isn't it? You should try to please me. So aren't we here in a faith that's promoting slave trade? What is this that Paul was was saying it helps if you've ever wondered anyone ever wondered about that you've ever asked yourself okay Jaden is there yes sir yeah it's a good question to ask and to wonder so what used to happen in that time the context at that time was such that first of all slavery was not illegal it was not a crime. It was allowed. Yeah? It was, it was an occupation. It was a form of employment that was known, that was allowed. In fact, there were people who used to give themselves eh, to be slaves. And we are told that some slaves were even better off than poor, free people. Not so. So someone, to avoid you know, being poor or to, to find work, they would offer themselves as a what? As a slave. Right? And so the issue really was about mistreatment. Not so. Mistreatment. Of course, the slaves didn't have rights. They were property. They were owned. Yeah? And so let me read for us some research about that. That should clarify at that time, slave ownership was common. As much as one-third of some, of some Roman cities were slaves in the first century. That is the first hundred years after Christ's death. Breeding slaves or rescued babies from exposure were a major source of slave labor. In Roman and Greek culture, slavery became an institutionalized system of large-scale employment with laws to regulate it. Slave labor was an important part of the Roman economy and slaves often held responsible positions. Yeah, so according to the law, slaves were not legal persons, so they could be owned, bought, and sold. They had, a right, they had no right to marriage contract or to represent themselves in court or to inherit, nor were they considered to have any relatives. However, Slaves frequently had a better life than poor free people who might sell, them sell themselves into slavery for the benefits of employment, security, and improved social position. Yeah, so income from self-sale, like income from selling oneself as a slave, eh, that money they would get, was used as capital for an income-generating activity to better one's life 
with the ultimate aim to buy freedom and become a Roman citizen. So the law allowed slaves to own property and to own other slaves. So a slave could also have other slaves. Yeah, the, the law allowed for that to happen, we are told. Yeah, so slaves were not only doing menial work, but there were many who were educated by their owners and so were able to hold positions in business, government service, and education. Yeah, so in summary, that gives a picture of what slavery was like at the time Paul is writing this letter. It's a different context from what we see happening later, say in America, not so. You know, and, and the kind of mistreatment that was allowed and the degradation of, of human beings where they are, you know, literally treated like animals. And of course, there are movies today that try to depict that. Um, yeah, so if you've also, for your study, if you've read the letter of Philemon, anyone ever heard of the letter of Philemon? Anyone? It's there, the New Testament. Yes, sir, by Paul. Not so. Paul writes to someone in the church. This was a church in Colosse, a believer who was used to pray in the church in Colosse, called Philemon. Philemon owned or had a slave called Onesimus. Not so. So Onesimus had run away. And so Paul writes this letter to Philemon, asking Philemon to receive him back. It's an interesting letter to read with this context. So that was the thing. Slavery was, was, was part of the economy at that time. So Paul here, he's speaking to slaves and he's asking them to relate with their masters in a way that depicts the slave's relationship with Christ. And he's doing the same, if you noticed, for the master as well. In verse 9, he says, Masters, treat yourselves in the same way. Why? Your brother and sister, Christ has brought you together. You remember that? Christ has brought you together. You are one family. He's the head, and you're the rest of the body. You are one in Christ. Elsewhere, Paul writes and says, I don't know if you guys have read those passages, that in Christ... There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. So he's exalting what Christ has done, the union that Christ brings, the breaking down of society barriers, isn't it? And norms. And he's saying what Christ has done is put us on level ground. That in Christ, you and I and His Excellency Joe Biden, His Excellency Yoweri Kagutam Seveni, and the men and women that help us at home are all on level ground. I say it again that you and I and His Excellency Joe Biden. His Excellency, the President of our country, whoever, you get the picture I'm trying to paint. Yeah, the guys that, you know, help us at home, 
either doing the laundry, cleaning, we are on level. You and I are no better than any other human being you ever see. Not so. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah? That what Christ has done is break down those barriers. And that's what he's emphasizing here. That if a master is a true believer, he will treat the slave in the same way he will treat any other human being. He will tr actually, he will treat the slave in the same way as Christ has treated him. Not so. With dignity, with respect. Right? Why? Because of what Christ has done. How does this apply to us today? We've talked about obedience to our parents. <clears throat> and we struggle, not so. Let's think about, have you ever, I actually thought about it this week. Thank God I've remembered. How did Jesus relate with his parents? Did Jesus have parents? Oh, great, okay. He did, not so. Mary and Joseph, right? How did he? I mean, son of God, he knew he was there. <laughs> you know, he knew better than them, definitely. He knows better than us. You leave our WhatsApp, you know, arguments and things like that. He knew the all-knowing God, isn't it? Power, ability. How did he relate with his parents? And that, that, that chapter... Um, I think it is in Matthew. Remember that scenario where they were at the temple? Is it Matthew or Luke? Let me find it quickly. Yeah, I think it is Luke. Because we want to think how does this apply? Yeah, you can read Luke chapter 2 from verse 41 to verse 52. The boy, the title here is The Boy Jesus at the Temple. It's, a very, it's quite a long passage. You won't read through it. But if you're familiar with the story, a time came where Joseph and Mary took their son. There were some purification rites that were required in the law, eh? In the law of Moses, I think when Jesus was 12 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they take him to the temple, etc. But then while they are there, he disappears. Oh, no, no, actually, no, no, not while they are there. While they are going back home. Not so. Because what they would do, they used to walk, you know, long distances from their home to go to the temple to worship, then go back home. So while they were in that caravan of going home, they're like, hey, but where is this boy? And he's not there. They look for him, and so they find him where? Actually, it's verse 42. They went for the festival. As they were returning home, he stays behind, and eventually they look for him and find him in the temple, right? And they ask him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. 
Has anyone ever been scolded like that? <laughs> Those words sound familiar. You boy, why do you keep doing this to us? Yeah, why do you keep ashamed? <laughs> no, that's okay. He says, why are you searching for me? He asked, don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went, guys, 51, let this one challenge us and disturb us. Not so. Verse 51 says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to, to them. He was obedient to them. Do you see the humility of Jesus? Not so. The humility of Jesus, how he honors his own parents. And so he looks at us today and he says, this is also what I expect of you. If you are a child of mine, or if you are my follower, honor him by honoring your parents. That's how the message in Ephesians applies to us. So please, go and read it. Luke chapter 2 from verse 41 to 51. And see how that happens. Two, how does this message apply to us? Fathers, that one I said, if you're here and one day you desire to be a father, please prepare to disciple your sons and daughters. If God gives them to you. Yeah, but even if they are not your own children, God will bring children, isn't it? In fact, you may not even have to wait to be a father. Are there people you are encouraging, you are bringing up in the training and instruction of the Lord? From verses 5 to 9, we've read about slaves and their relationship with masters. Many of us at home, we have people that help us. Either they help if you have a, a, a garden is it called a garden? Compound, eh? Someone who maintains the compound, either they come regularly or they stay at home, someone who washes daddy's car or, you know, usually a lady that helps with the cleaning and the chores. <clears throat> How do you and I treat them? Not so. How do we treat them? That's how this message applies to us. That every human being First of all, actually, whether they believe or not is made in the image of God. They must be treated with honor and dignity, respect. That's one. For the believer, because here Paul is writing to believers, slaves and masters, and he's saying, because of what Christ has done, you are all on level ground. Isn't it? You are all on level ground. Treat them as you would want to be treated, isn't it? And it's always that mirror. How has Christ treated you and me? Not so. That's the same way we ought to treat these people in our midst. Right? Because they are children of, of God. And even if they are not believers, they are made in the image of God. Who knows that through your conduct, through your speech, you draw them to Christ. Would that be a powerful testimony? That someone who came to work at home was drawn to Christ 
because of how their boss's daughter or their boss's son treated them. Isn't it? Not so. It's a humbling thing. But this is what God expects us to do. How else does this apply to us? If you're here and you have a job, not so. You have a boss or there's someone you're subordinate to. How, what is your attitude towards work? Towards the kind of work that you do? How do you conduct yourself? Do you give the bare minimum? You know what the bare minimum is? Eh? Like if the pass mark is 70, you aim, in fact, you aim to get 70. You, like you just want to do what is expected of you, period. But here, the heart behind what Paul is saying is different. He's saying do it from the heart, isn't it? Do it from the heart. You're not even serving them, not so. You're serving who? God. Did you read that? Verse 7, serve wholeheartedly. May God help us to view work as service, as an act of service. When you guys also get, because I know majority of us perhaps are not um, working, but when you get there, you know, that's an act of service. It's not just eh, plot for making money. You know, it's interesting. Imagine your boss came and said, man, we are facing hard times there will be no salary for the next three months. Are you willing to continue uh, <laughs> working here? Or imagine, to make things worse, the boss comes and says, guy, you know what, we need money, but we don't have money now. Can you lend us some money? We shall pay you back. We want work to continue. Do you believe in what you do to the extent that you're willing to sacrifice? Eh? You're willing to sacrifice on your part for the work that you do, for the service that you offer to prosper. Is your heart convinced? Eh? Is there a sense of purpose behind the work that you do to the extent that you're willing to forego certain conveniences on your part? Yeah? Or is it a thing of man? When they put a thing on the weekend, you are cursing. Ah, these guys, don't they know? Even the money they give us is little. Now they want me to come in on Saturday. Man. Anyway, how else does this apply? There's an encouragement there in verse 8. May this be our encouragement, isn't it? Besides the desire to please and honor God. May this be our encouragement. Verse 8 says, let me read from verse 7 into 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, not people. Because you know. This is now verse 8. Because you know. Guys, we need to know that the Lord will reward each one. The Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do. The Lord will do what? Will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether slave, it's there, whether slave or free. The Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether slave or free. God will reward you. 
Not so. That's what he's saying there. I'm not the one, I'm not the one saying. That's what the Bible is what? He's saying. May God convince us for his reward. It will take sacrifice. It will take foregoing, you know, your comfort and convenience to do some of the things that God would want you to do. But I pray that you will do it anyway. Because his reward cannot be compared to anything. Yeah? To anything. Why don't we pray? I see that the time is gone. And perhaps before we pray, maybe you just want to think about what has been shared. What are two, three ways that this message particularly applies to you? Because it's a very practical message. We've talked about from verse 1 to 4, relationships at home, our family, as children, the expectation to obey and honor our parents. And that command has a promise. We've talked about the role of fathers, but then we've also talked about slaves and their relationship to the masters. There may be two or three things that you desire to do differently. Starting this week, you may be starting today. Maybe it's just starting by saying good morning to the person who helps with the chores at home. Greeting them. Speaking to them. Helping them. Yeah? This is what God would want for you and I to do. Because it's what He has done for perspective for those of us here who work transformed first within that our hearts will be given to you because it's impossible to live like this with hearts that are still hardened with hearts that have not known your love and your grace help us help us to go beyond singing about it and hearing about it help us to believe it because when we do this love will us
our hearts. That we will live a new life. Because this is the gospel. This is what the gospel does. Help us. Help us, God. That we are wounded and hurt each other. We know also there are many wounds we've taken on from our parents. Grant us the grace to forgive. Grant us the grace to surrender. Grant us the grace to let go. Grant us the grace to release. Grant us the grace to extend grace. Help us to be like you. This passage is showing us how to be like you. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. And so we give you thanks and praise. You are always working and families and relationships at the heart of who you are. People working together. Peace, love, joy, forgiveness. May we experience these blessings in our lives. That as Paul was encouraging the Ephesians, we too will be encouraged to walk in this path. Lord, to the glory of your name. Pray all this in Jesus' name.